everyone, and welcome to this episode 10 of the Living the Grace Life podcast. Can you hear the fireworks in the background? Well, they're outside, but we're in a a very high-end studio, so we can't hear them. This is it. We've done 10 episodes of Living the Grace Life. How bad can you believe that it's been that long? All of them have been done with Wayne at Jump Dog Audio Productions. How are you today, Wayne? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Life's good. He's made every episode. He's I, been there. I just got to say, you have made such progress as a person in recognizing people In living like the Wayne. grace life? Or yeah, in... you know, for the first seven episodes, I had to recognize Wayne. And I appreciate <laughs> that you are Well, it's an untraditional... Realizing... I like having, you know, Wayne's, you know, input. It's just normally the studio technicians are not <laughs> wired up to speak. But Wayne, because he is... He is jump dog. Well, you know, the thing is- He can is, jump in. Wayne and I are, are people of the- There were men of the street. So we understand and we kind of relate together. What does that mean? That means we just know the world, <laughs> you know? And I'm thankful he's part of what we're doing. He does a great job. Oh, thank you. Uh, he does. This podcast has been sensational. I'm so excited to see just how- We've had not only, I think we're over a thousand downloads is what you well were over, saying yeah. from the last time. But when it comes to the- app now. We're on the new app. This Grace Life app looks fantastic. Grace Life Sarasota. Maybe tell people about how they can download this app or how does it work? Well, if you go to iTunes or Android Google Play Store and you search Grace Life Sarasota, the app should come up. It's got a little black icon with our logo. I love the color scheme, yeah. Yeah, and it's a great app because our church is mobile. We're looking for new, unique ways to use the app to become more like our our central sort of hub where people can communicate. We're going to do some really different things maybe that other churches don't do with their app. We're going to really stretch the limits of what it does so that our people can feel connected during the week since we don't have a building per se. And I'm really excited yeah, about it. It's going to be like where, we, where we are community during the week. It's sort of like the foundation <laughs> of the church itself. And these and when people do it, I guess there's a notifications area. You want to be sure that they turn on to ensure that you're able to then connect with them oh, on yeah, whatever's going on big. around the church. And so. in the settings, uh, underneath settings, there are some notification settings, and we have different groups you can subscribe to for notifications, like Grace Life Recovery, our Deep End Bible Study. That's uh, fantastic. All the Grace yeah. Life Kids. So people can go in there and get notifications from different programs and ministries within our church. It's really cool stuff. You've got a podcast. You've got an app. What I mean, you are a man of the street. Yeah, I, I, I really am. <laughs> <laughs> a media like, mogul. That's what I am. <laughs> you do not have depravity amnesia. That's what we talked about on our last show, which was fantastic. The response I got, people were just buzzing. They love the story of you and, oh, the, carpet the, and the carpet cleaners. It's amazing how much that story just impacted everyone. They were just it, Showed them this living the grace life concept in ways I don't even think we can say. Yeah. So it really was powerful. Today we are starting chapter four of your book, which is the middle of Philippians 2. It's called Relentless Affection. So we are going to get into that. We're sure you will have some questions. So be sure to email us when you do have one. The email for our podcast, Living the Grace Life Podcast, Living the Grace Life Podcast at gmail.com. If we read your question on air, you will get a signed copy of Joe's book. So be sure to download the podcast, download the app, send us a question. There's so many ways to interact with us. It's all coming up here, the 10th celebratory episode of the Living the Grace Life podcast. 
Joe, that was not the usual music. You know, we got such a good feedback from how Ambrosia did had we? an impact on well, our last wait. episode. Did we really? Well, for me, I, <laughs> I gave very good feedback on using Ambrosia as a bumper song. And so I thought, you know, this week we ought to go with the song that has the absolute best bass line of any song of all time, I think, on that song. I wouldn't so, doubt it. The, the Silver, Silver Fox. Fox. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone loves the Silver Fox. Not I everyone. Th- not everyone. Yeah. My wife, not. she didn't know who Ambrosia was either. That's good, I think. <laughs> I don't would, know. I think I'm a little, that, I'm a little disappointed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now she knows. So, uh, well, we are here in the middle of Philippians, Joe, chapter four of your book, The Grace Life, what Philippians teaches us about loving one another relentlessly. On our 10th episode, we have worked our way to page 51 of the book, Relentless Affection. And so I thought we'd start with, let's read Philippians 2, 12 to 18, and then we'll be able to reflect on that and see what it is that you're talking about here in chapter 4. So in Philippians, Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in that day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Mm. There's got to be about a hundred podcasts in that. That could do. (laughs) Maybe we only only do two, but you could do so many. That passage is so powerful because what Paul does is he sets a standard for commitment to other people's excellence. Mm. See, we always hear about, you know, the Raiders. They have the NFL, Oakland Raiders, that the commitment to excellence. And you hear about that in other places, committed to excellence. You know, what Paul says is, I'm committed to be poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith. He says, I am committed to your excellence. And that kind of drive, it's very antithetical to think of being so committed to excellence for others. Yes. It takes relentlessness to be excellent in your own. Yes. That's hard enough to be disciplined for excellence in our own lives, but to be disciplined to the level of excellence for other people, to be poured out as a drink offering, that picture of being poured out Mm. where the cup is emptied and there's nothing left. It's a very powerful image. Oh, it's super powerful, especially in the sense you go on to say in page 52 here that you know, you kind of compare of someone who's being annoyed by something that someone has done to them or something, let's say, in traffic or a spouse. And and then you say that patience is such a big part of this idea that Paul is, is focusing on. And the patience isn't necessarily what you're just saying there isn't about his own patience with himself. It's the patience to have to then pour himself out into others. So what you're getting at, it sounds like, do we need to forget about the self then completely? Because what I see here is Paul saying, look, 
Get over yourself. Why are you even focused on the driver that cut you off or the spouse that did something wrong? What is happening? You're missing the whole boat here. The supernatural power is not about you not doing those things. It's about you pouring. You're going to feel the joy if you're serving others. So would you agree that is he saying here, look, just lose the self? You know, it's it's such a subjective topic, this idea of relentless affection. I don't believe that you arrive at this place through spiritual discipline. Now, I'm not saying that spiritual discipline isn't a part of our lives. I'm not saying that at all, okay? But this level of commitment to other people's excellence, this is a supernatural calling. This is a supernatural empowering. This is a passion and a desire that is inserted into your heart because God has given you a love for someone else's faith. I mean, think what Paul says is, I love you guys so much that I am willing to be poured out as a drink offering to make sure that your faith encourages you, that your faith is strong. And therefore, he says, I rejoice that I'm being poured out. So I want you to rejoice as well. Paul is not saying, I'm being very disciplined in how I love you. He's saying, <laughs> yeah, I, have, right. I am so passionate about you. I have no choice but to be poured out. And I rejoice in the fact that I'm being poured out. I want you to rejoice that I am being poured out for your benefit. Isn't that wild? It's so wild because it's almost like Paul's not really, the concern of his isn't that you are then able to do what it is that would bring you joy. So Paul pours himself out. That's his joy, period. What you then do, he's hopeful that you then figure it out and you are able to uh, accomplish whatever it is for the glory of God. I love how he says, to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work, not for your good pleasure, but for his good pleasure. So Paul, it seems like to me, is modeling. I mean, would you say then that is the idea that the joy is in watching someone else take this cup <coughs> and do whatever with it, but because Paul knows he's doing it right, you're saying he's getting his joy, it sounds like, because well, he's following his what's calling. interesting is Paul has already been filled with joy for them. He says, I count it all joy every time I think about you. So that's in Philippians 1. He says, I thank God every time I remember you. Right. And so he's already filled with joy. And so it's almost like, I don't know if this makes sense, Jim, but the joy came before the pouring out. So this is the part of what I'm saying. It is the pouring out is a consequence. It's a result of the grace life. It doesn't lead to the grace life. So when I write this chapter, I'm not saying to people, if you want to live the grace uh -huh. life, you better be poured out like a drink offering. No, no. I'm saying when the grace life takes over, you will end up being poured out as a drink offering. First comes the joy, then comes the pouring out, which obviously leads to more joy. So it's a positive feedback loop, but it is the result. It is not the path. And so how does somebody get there? Because I get it. I, I see what you're saying. And in some ways, I feel it. And you feel it. I can tell, especially about your church here at Grace Life, Sarasota. For me, besides spending time as a sportscaster and then as running or founding a website, cheapcaribbean.com, 
now I'm going, I start Monday, I start my seminary training, mm-hmm. you know, not that you're, I mean, you're training me here. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm going to learn there, but I feel as if for me, my goal is to do what would be called a recovery ministry in Paris at the church where we lived. And by thinking that I have all this joy but I haven't done anything yet. But here's what's happened. So I mean, said, am I doing that? You said, how do you get there? That was your question. Okay. How does someone get there? Because so, I feel like I've kind of gotten, I'm, I'm getting there, yeah. Let's go back to the previous couple chapters. We had about a three-week study of suffering. Mm-hmm. Then from there, we go to humble love. The humble love is a result of the suffering. And so it, you know, it starts when we go through what we go through in this world. You have that suffering, which leads to the humble love, which leads you to this relentless affection, which is part of the process of God turning you into his children. Got it. And so I, what I believe is the way you get there, I, I don't think it's possible to teach a seminar on relentless affection and for it to really have any impact. Yeah. There's information you could teach about it. Uh, there's things you could learn. But in the end, the only way to get there is through this process that God, this this calling process, this sanctification process that look what Paul went through. Yeah. Paul doesn't r- arrive at being poured out as a drink offering simply because I'm an apostle, so I'll be poured out. No, he went through hell and back. Yeah. I mean, he went through a lot to get to the point where he says, you Philippians, you amaze me. I can't believe what God has done in your life. And I've had the privilege of being involved in it. I'll tell you right now, I'm being poured out as a drink offering on your faith. And I rejoice. He says, it is my privilege to be poured out for you because my values have been changed through what I've gone through what we've been through together and there is no other alternative for me but to be poured out. Yeah, it's it he is his transformation through coming in contact with the living Christ. I think it's like him watching himself and almost being amazed. You have here page 53, Paul faced immense persecution from Jewish people who hated the fact that he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ when he explained that the temple was no longer needed as a place of sacrifice so that people could be connected to God despite their sin. They wanted to kill him for such blasphemy. Through all of this, the Philippians stuck with him. It's it's almost like he's eyewitnessing himself. He's in amazement that he's even come this far. He has suffered. He loves them. He sees the love coming back. And he, like you said, he has no choice, right? I mean, Paul, Paul... he wouldn't know what else would bring him joy, it sounds like. There is nothing else he could think of that he would want to do. I have a personal story that happened to me this morning that I'll share that's a great example of this. So this morning, there's this annual Sarasota prayer breakfast. Okay. And, you know, there's probably, I don't know, 800 people that were there this morning, a lot of pastors and things like that elders and churches, organizations, businessmen, businesswomen, and then people in leadership. And uh, so I was there. Uh, I was invited to be sitting at a table at one of the churches I used to preach at in town. Um, they still like me, which is crazy. <laughs> and across the room, I saw an elder from the church I was at previously, before this one and okay. before the one before that. So two churches Too bad. ago. Okay. Yeah. His name is Stu. Stu's been an elder at that church for decades. I remember when I was going through a really hard time, he had a relentless affection for me. Uh, he would encourage me. He says, Joe, I know people are 
are after you. They're harping on you. I want, you know, I believe in you. I care about you. And, and I remember when we were going through a difficult time with our house, I was a youth pastor, not making much money. He was very um, sacrificial in helping us and just encouraging and, and in some places protecting me, uh, shielding me from other people. I walked up to him this morning and I said, I hadn't seen him in about a year. I said, Stu, he goes, Joe. And we, we, we hugged and everything. And we were, it was some small talk. And I said, Stu, can I just tell you, I have incredible love and affection for you. And he says, I know you do. And I have the same for you. We've been through a lot. You're a good friend. And uh, I'm so thankful that God has put you in my life. I hadn't seen him for a year. Wow. And we just had this relentless affection for one another. We hugged like three times. <laughs> Finally, I had to go sit back down because they were starting the program. But I had this relentless affection for this guy, Stu, because he poured out his faith on me at a time that wasn't easy for him. Yeah. I remember about five years ago, him and John, there's another elder that they kind of were cohorts in grace together. I took them out to lunch one day. They said, why are you meeting with us? And I just started crying. I said, because I just want to let you guys know how much I love you and uh, I'll always love you and I'll never forget the impact you've had in my life. Yeah, and being able to share that with them because I'm sure they did it because they didn't know anything else. And the only way you get there is by experiencing suffering. With no suffering, no one is able to show this kind of affection. Like it sounds to me like the suffering has to come because you guys have been through it. Yeah, a lot more than I'll get into on this podcast, yeah, but yeah. a lot. But a you lot. were, and I've always thought the only way sometimes to show someone how you feel about your true character, or how you feel, or God's true character, how you feel about them, is to enter a crisis scenario. And at that point, people can team up and people can gather around. But so what compelled you to tell them? You just wanted to let them know? Well, or? I was just reflecting on the impact they'd had in my life. And uh, I just wanted to show appreciation for how they had ministered to me during those hard times. It's the same thing that Paul does here. Yes, Paul's an apostle. Yes, Paul's a church planner. But the Philippians stuck with him during the most difficult times. And I think when Paul says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering for you, here's what he's saying, Jim. He's saying, Philippians, there is no other option for me to live in a way that fulfills your greatest potential for excellence. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes, whenever it takes. And I don't even feel like it's a sacrifice. Exactly. That's the joy that he, it's not even he's doing it for the joy, it sounds like. As you have here, page 53, being willing to be poured out as a drink offering is a picture of being completely spent for the benefit of someone else's walk with Jesus. This is the kind of relentless affection Paul had for his churches and the kind of love God has for you. And then you ask the question, how many of us are willing to go that far for another person? I was thinking to be willing is almost a question that everyone should then probably say, if it were, if it were up to me, if I was going to use willpower and you get in that bind, it's a tough question. When you are in the spirit and you are the Spirit is guiding. You have the fruit of the Spirit. Because what you said in that meeting with them, love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, gentleness, goodness, 
kindness, and self-control, all of them. The fruit of the Spirit, you didn't even know it probably, but those nine things that Paul talks in Galatians were channeling through you. It's like you're a conduit, right? Well, like you didn't think it would be nice to tell these guys because so they me, may not know. You great, didn't, it's a great point. So let me just, this morning, this was a big room. It was at the Hyatt Regency downtown. It's a huge room. It's a big, massive ballroom. They're on the other side and I see them and I know that, okay, these tables are close together. There's a lot of people. This is not going to be easy. I don't care. I was relentless <laughs> and get, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. I think I bumped one lady's eggs on the floor. I'm not sure, but I got over there. And once I got there, you know what my thought was? Man, that trip was so worth it. Even spilling her eggs. Yeah. I just wanted to give Stu a hug. We've got several questions here, Joe. I've had people talk to me, and not even just about here what we're going to address on the podcast, but even in the past, I, I get this a lot, where this very famous passage here in Philippians where Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And the questions I always get are, well, wait. Why do I have, wait, I thought God was on my side. Christ had done this for me Grace, already. Grace, not by works. Yeah, right. justif I'm justified by faith. I thought already Christ has done everything for me. Now I got to go work out my salvation on my own, like with fear. I, I thought that's the God of the Old Testament where it's, I'm scared and not, now I'm trembling. Like I wanted to feel this love. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting, <laughs> right? right? Our, our human nature is to stop right there. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But there's a comma there, for it is God who works in you, mm. both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying fear and trembling doesn't mean fear of judgment. It means work out your own salvation with awe and respect for what God is doing in you and through you. What Paul is saying is, I want you to understand something. You've always obeyed, even now, not only in my presence, but you've obeyed even much more in my absence. And he says, therefore, I want you to understand, continue to let your salvation manifest itself, work it out. Let it, let it manifest itself in a way that brings you awe. At, wow, this salvation of mine is crazy good because God is working in me. And what is it that is impressing you? What is it that is making you stand in awe is how you are willing to have relentless affection for other people to such a degree that you're willing to be poured out as a drink offering. Think about that. That is awe-inspiring. The most amazing things that have ever happened in my life when it comes to my affection for people is when I saw them sacrifice for me to a level I couldn't, what, what, you did what? Mm -hmm. Why? You know, those times have brought me to tears. Like you did what? And then, so that person who just blessed me sees my response 
Right. And their response is probably just through the roof, like soaring with joy, you know, the supernatural satisfaction with the presence of God over anything else. And how has that presence been manifested? Because he is working in us to do his goodwill and pleasure. And as that goodwill and pleasure works itself out of us in our salvation, it brings awe and trembling and like, wow. What just happened? This grace life thing is crazy powerful. I want in on it. And that's what it means by working it out with fear and trembling. Yeah, awe. That's a much better way, I think, to say. And that's really, I guess, what is, if you take the Greek or whatever Paul, I would think Greek, what he's using here, it, the, the fear he's talking about is this awe. I guess. So he's looking at it almost as a third person type thing again, where we talked about where you, you just can't believe what it is that God's doing. And like you said, it's that moment where it's, wait a minute, I heard all these words, I heard all these things. The grace life is real. You come to the realization that all of this is true, but then do you have to, where it says work out, do you then have to do something or is that something that you're already doing in the sense you see this awe, you see this supernatural effect, this transformation occurring, and then you maybe... Because you said it is God who works in you, maybe you then begin to work it out. This is where context is so important. The tenses of the verbs are not active verbs like in, you know, like I am doing this. Mm. This is like almost where the, the action is being done through you. So the action is being done on an outside force in and through you manifesting its results outside of you. So so the action, it involves something else creating this position mm. of awe and respect as you have relentless affection for others. And so the tense of, that's why he says, work out your salvation because it is God who is working. He makes it very clear who is yes. actually doing the work. He's saying, allow, yes. allow your salvation to work itself out in a way that just blows you away. And when you do that, what happens, Jim? When that takes place, man, I want to pour myself out. I want more of this supernatural satisfaction with God's presence in my life over anything else. Yeah, you have, at that point, you have no choice. There is, because you wouldn't want anything else, because that's what you're saying. It's like God is the one at work doing it. You hit on this great, and on page 55, you talk about relentless love in the fact that retirement I thought this was a great example. Americans are obsessed with retirement, you say, page 55. Now, I'm not talking about stepping away from your job, you say. I'm talking about quitting life. It's the idea of simply stopping all commitments and doing only the things that we want to do. (laughs) That's what we talk about all the time, isn't it? You say, gosh, I'm so tired of being busy all the time. I can't wait till I'm retired. Yet for some people, retirement may increase their risk for depression. People... No, perhaps we simply weren't made to quit life. This has been on my mind. You would not believe for how much, because technically five years ago, I sort of retired from work life. And at that point, I I thought I now am able to do what it is that I just thought it's now time for the next season and I can do And I'm open to what that is. And so when you say this (coughs) awe, like I'm in awe that I'm going to go to seminary. I'm in awe that I might start a recovery ministry. Like, I don't think I'm, 
No, this you're is looking, my retirement. You're looking back and saying, me? Well, I'm looking and seeing the the <clears throat> insane mistakes exactly. that I made that he's now going to use when I get up in oh, front of crazy, people. And it? It's crazy. You're in awe of the fact that, wow, this sinner, God has somehow put in a position that I can now pour myself out as a drink offering on other people. I just got to say, once you have tasted what relentless affection looks like, I can promise you, you will not want to retire. You will not want to live any other way. Oh, you might stop working because the job doesn't need you or you don't need it or whatever. But once you have gotten a taste yeah. of what it means to be a recipient of relentless affection and to give relentless affection, to be to see people pouring themselves out as a drink offering all over the place, once you're part of the grace life like that, you're going to think, man, I don't want to miss a moment. You can't this. do anything else, but it's the only thing on your mind. And, and you would think, why would I? There is no thinking, well, I got to give this up or that up. That's what they call recovery in a lot of ways. It's like, why would I go back? Like you, once you've seen it, like those paintings we had talked about on a previous episode where it looks like it's something and then, oh my gosh, I see the face of Christ in there. Like once you see it, you can't unsee it. Right. And you cannot then go back because after you have this feeling, you would not know. And and in the pursuit, so this retirement example is great because I think in the pursuit of self, you run out of ways to please the self. It can only be more. So in one example, pleasing yourself, the only, and you find what you like, it can only be more. It has to be more of whatever it is you like, which turns into addiction, whatever. But you always need more. So you're always planning. On the example here, it's less poured out. So here you're trying to pour in retirement. You're trying to pour in all this fun. Because right. now you can do what you want. You want to fill your life up with things that you enjoy. And on the other side, you're trying to pour out onto other people. Look, this this is so important. I, this is not, retirement's just one example. Think about it. Most people go to church so that they can be poured into. And it's just the total 180 of what living the grace life is supposed to. You don't go, if you're going to church to yeah. get fed, I've heard that I'm going to church to get fed. no. You're going to church to feed. Yes. You're you not going to church to get, because how is getting fed you being poured out? It's the antithesis of being poured out. It's so, the opposite. And this is why churches begin to fall in the trap of having to make sure they provide programs <sighs> that their people want. So right. Again, we went through this a few weeks ago. I struggle with it. You know, there's a balance. I understand that. I just want to be in a place where everybody's pouring themselves out on everyone else for the sacrifice and service of their faith. And they will if they see that it's not costing them. Not only is it not costing them anything, it's actually giving them everything they want. Like what they're looking for by doing the pouring in, they they think, oh, I don't want to give that up. They're getting it by by pouring out. Like to me, like you said, when you taste it, there's no other way that you can possibly live. That doesn't mean you're never going to mess up or screw things up. It just means you have a new directive. You're you're you have now well, you've value, made the turn. You have rip, you've you've turned. Your values have changed. Yeah, and your, yeah. your values have changed and you begin to recognize, okay, it's not about pouring into my life. It's pouring out. 
and then grace is what fills you up. That's the that's the work out your salvation. See, the salvation is done in you, and the pouring out is a result of the passive action that God is taking for his goodwill and his right. good pleasure to bring joy, which is the supernatural satisfaction with the presence of God in other people through you. Some of our listeners, Joe, did not have amnesia. They did listen to our show last oh, week. Oh, good. Depravity Amnesia. They knew. I don't know if they caught us on the new app, if they caught us on iTunes, where it was. But the response, like your story about the carpet cleaner mm -hmm. who came, and for people that aren't aware of it, go back, listen to episode nine. It talks. <laughs> it was a fantastic story, but... At the end of the day, you and this guy dumping dirty water on the basketball <laughs> court of Grace Life Recovery reconciled. And the uh, we had a question that was posed to me. The question, to it was long, but to surmise it, it was, did you have depravity amnesia? They were saying, in a moment where someone has done something that upsets you. Is is that depravity no. amnesia? They were like, did you? No. <laughs> right. Yes. Because when I'm yelling at him about yeah. dumping water on my court, right? <laughs> right? I'm reminded of the times, you know, not recently, of course, but long ago where I would throw paper out the window on the highway. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. nobody else has done that out there. Okay, fine. <laughs> but here's my, to answer the question. Yes, I had... I had momentary depravity amnesia until he spun off, spun off yeah, with yeah, his van, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I didn't think I'd ever see him again. And I'm looking at the guys, and I didn't know what to check. Let's just get the game going. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, check ball. Oh, yeah. And but yes, I had depravity amnesia at that moment. And it's such Absolutely. a great, yeah. And I have it all the time. And I tried to explain too to that this idea of coping skills that we don't have them. Christ has them. And so we won't be able to cope the next time. And the next time, we, we might cope better, but that doesn't mean that we have to then get it right every time. Like the amnesia, I always think, isn't in the fact that, oh, now I know, now I know not to yell at this guy or throw this out the window, or whatever. Like the amnesia is, I don't have to worry about that anymore. What am I, what is, what is really happening inside me when I'm angry? or someone has wronged me. I always think this idea of self-pity and 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 self uh and not even empowerment but you know don't wrong it's pride almost like someone has gotten in my face. Not only is it pride, but then it's people pleasing I think because then I'm like, "Well, wait. Maybe I don't say, you well, know, you play this whole game, you go back and is, forth. When you get mad at somebody, what you're saying is, "I would never do that. How dare you? You could learn from me." You should be like me in this area because I would never do what you did. But in fact, yes, you would. Yes, you have. There's something worse. And yes, you will. <laughs> like that's that's correct. So that's depravity amnesia. So I'm glad that people can see that, yes, even us as pastors, we struggle with depravity amnesia all the time. Like, for example... I was extremely jealous of you this last week when you were in Rio. 
And then I realized it's not, I shouldn't be jealous we're of not my in brother. Competition. He's having a, I know we're not in competition, but I still wanted to be in Rio. Well, I wanted you to be there too. Oh, I would, I would have loved it. Precious. Yeah, it was. And the, and you know, the Rio de Janeiro, the only reason that we went, my wife had always wanted to see the Christ, the Redeemer statue, which, you know, I'd seen pictures. I just know Rio is like a carnival town, all the things I don't, I'm not interested in or do anymore. And I hear it's unsafe. So I was like, we we're taking our 15 year old son. I was like, okay, you know, like, are we sure about all this? And then I get there and yeah, it's like, you want to share it with the world when yeah. you're on top of the world, when you're standing there and the Christ statue is about 10, it's a hundred <coughs> feet tall. So that's and it's on top of a hill. Thing. Yeah, it's on top of a hill. That's 10 basketball goals. That's how I think. And it's amazing, <laughs> right? I mean, you, because God has saved you, you could appreciate the name of the statue and what it means. Yeah, it's it's yeah. nothing that I do then at that point. I just sit there in awe. Maybe that's the fear and trembling. And 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 it I, is. And I see it, and everyone around me is snapping Instagram photos and getting in all these, and I'm just staring. Looking at that, I, I can't believe there's a love like that. And like you said, you see it when you're living the grace life. It doesn't mean getting your life perfect. It's living in right. awe of the fact God loves right. you the way he does. So, ah, fantastic. Well, if you have a question and we read it on air, you know, you're going to get a signed copy of Joe's book. Simply email us your question at Living the Grace Life Podcast. Living the Grace Life Podcast at gmail.com. If we select your question, you are a winner. Our next episode, our 11th, we're going to continue on this theme. We're going to keep, I guess harping is the wrong word, but keep our focus on what it means to truly, when it comes to this sort of love that you speak of and affection. affection. We yeah. do it. Someone did ask me the difference between love and affection. We will talk We're going to get into that. Right. That's going to be right. good. That's that, that's going to be fun. But that's our show for today. On behalf of Pastor Joe, studio producer Wayne Delaire, the Silver Fox, and the entire team at Jump Dog Audio Productions, I'm Jim Hobbs. See you next time. And remember, whatever you do each and every day, keep looking to Christ so he can keep you living the grace life.